Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 222 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. Well, if you haven't figured it out by now, when I finish recording these episodes, I always talk to the guests for a little while afterwards, and I tell them when their episode will be released and what number it will be. So if you remember... The last time I had a mom named Jackie on, it was episode number 217, and she was really happy that she was number 217 because her son died on February 17th, 217. So today, when I told this week's guest, another Jackie, that her episode was to be released on December 22nd, she said, oh my, that's my birthday. So... Happy birthday, Jackie, and know that all of the hundreds of listeners to the Always Annie's Mom podcast are right now wishing you a happy birthday as well. I do also want to take a minute here and talk about our next live stream that will be coming up. Now, I have to say I'm not quite sure whether it will be December 26th, a Tuesday, or Wednesday, December 27th, but no, it will be one of those two days, and I will figure that out shortly. So by the time you listen next week, you will definitely know which of the two dates we'll pick. Just make sure to watch for more information on social media as far as that goes. So the last time we had a live stream, actually it hasn't even come up yet because I am recording this ahead of the live stream, but the live stream was about being thankful and being grateful and we gave you some prompts to try to answer. So this one, we want this one to be interactive as well. The name of the episode is going to be Tattoos, Trips, and Toys. So it's about trying to pamper yourself a little bit in your grief. The reason I picked that topic is because it will be released on December 28th. And if you all remember, that is the anniversary of my mom's death and also the one year anniversary of my tattoo. So that was a little thing that I did for myself, really my be still tattoo in order to remind me of Andy and I am so happy and thankful that I did that. And then the other reason why we're doing that is because I will actually be in Florida for Christmas. If you also listen regularly, you will know that I have not yet spent a Christmas at our home since Andy's death. And this year is no different. This year we are going to see our in-laws, my our in-laws in Florida. So I will be in Florida and trying to find a space to do the live stream there. So given those two different topics, I just thought this would be a a good subject for the live stream. So if you have gotten a tattoo, send us a picture. If you have gone on a trip, done some little bit of traveling, or gotten yourself a toy, whether that's a small little 
kind of trinket or something bigger. Let us know about those things. Just write in about the ways that you've maybe tried to maybe help pamper yourself just a little bit in your grief. And if you haven't, maybe take this as a little opportunity to do so. It's just a little bit before Christmas. Take a minute to try to do a little something to pamper yourself. And if you do that, write to me. Write me at Marcy, M-A-R-C-Y, at andysmom.com and tell us what you did and whether you want to talk about it on our live stream or not. I can bring it up. I cannot bring it up if you don't want it brought up. But I sure would like to share some of these stories and maybe give each other some ideas as to how we can help to pamper ourselves just a little bit when we're going through this horrible, horrible, tragic loss especially in this holiday season where it is really, really easy to get really, really down. So right now, I want you to sit back and enjoy listening to Jackie, Jimmy and Chrissy's mom. Thank you so much, Jackie, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today. Hi, thank you, Marcy, for having me today. Yeah, I am really looking forward to talking to you, but I want you to start out in a little bit different way today. I want you to start out and tell us how you got on the podcast today, because I think it's a pretty fun story. We know some mutual people. Yes, we do. Anna and Michael and Nancy, of course, and we have Melissa now, but I'm on Team Breed, but still me volunteering mm-hmm. to help. I don't know how much I'm helping. I hope I am. But anyway, <laughs> long story short, we're hoping to launch a podcast on the heart condition that I have, which is long QT syndrome. And so I'm hoping within the half a year to a year mark, maybe we can get that podcast going and I would be the host of that. Well, that's very exciting. So just for all my regular listeners, you may remember that Michael has been on the podcast. Michael is the host of Bereave But Still Me, and he and I have had a discussion about the fact that when I started my podcast, I had said I was looking for a podcast for bereaved parents and looking for a podcast for bereaved parents, and I could not find one, and I thought one did not exist. And Michael is quick to tell me that one did exist because it was his podcast. <laughs> I am quick to remind him that the problem with his podcast at the time was it was called Heart to Heart with Michael, which does not have anything about bereavement in the title. So there was no way to know that it was on child loss. Correct. Until he changed the name to Bereave But Still Me sometime after I was looking. So I feel like I need to defend myself a little bit that his was not easy to find at the time. But it is a great podcast, and I have loved having Michael on. And Nancy, as you say, Nancy has been on this podcast before as well. And so now I get a third member of the team. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm sad to have to share this story. Right. With everyone. However, I feel like it could possibly help save lives. And I hope when people do hear this story, they will definitely share the story with people because if someone would have shared the story with me, I would have went a different route and you will understand more as you listen to this podcast. Right. Because as we've talked about before, we even started recording, you lost not just one child, but two children. My only actually two children. Yes. Jimmy and Chrissy. Yeah. Your only two children. Mm-hmm. And 
that's a nightmare. Right, right. Exactly, exactly right. It's just a nightmare. But I do want to have you start out by just talking about your kids and who they were and just kind of the fun stuff too, because they're a lot more than prolonged QT syndrome. Yes, that's great. My daughter was very energetic, outgoing, happy-go-lucky. Mm-hmm. She, As a little girl, she would even go <laughs> knock at the neighbor's doors and say, hi, will you be my friend? It's I'm Chrissy. Will you be my friend? Where my son was a little bit more reserved and he was always yelling at her. He was older. Jimmy was three years older and he would call her a dork as brothers and sisters do. One time I come home, he had her in a clothes hamper with shaving cream. and Oh, my word. <laughs> I, but that's one thing. I do sit and think about those and just start cracking up and I know they're not... <laughs> They better not be acting up like that in heaven. (laughs) Well, I would think it would be unlikely, but you never know. We we don't know what heaven's like, I guess, do we? (laughs) No, we don't. But if Jimmy could get by with it, he would be calling her a dork and slapping her in the back of her head. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that was a it was a love tap. Mm -hmm. So you had told me that you were a young mama. Yeah, I was a very young mom. Uh-huh. I uh, had my son at 17, and then I became a grandma at 37 mm-hmm. to my beautiful granddaughter, Alexis. Then my daughter gave birth to my second grandchild, and I was 40. Well, I might have been 41. I don't know. I was pretty old at that age, you know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just turned 50, and I'm not a grandma yet. So, yeah, you'd been a grandma a long time by then. I have been, but it's, I think it was God's plan. It really had to be because most people in my situation, if you've lost two children, yeah. you they yeah. don't typically have a part of their children to carry on. Absolutely. So that's why, that's how God works. I really believe that. It's amazing. So you had your, your oldest, you had Jimmy when you were young and then followed Chrissy. So why don't you talk about them as a little more? growing up oh they were they kept me busy jimmy was a very smart mm-hmm. he was more reserved uh chrissy was more like me had her, my personality she didn't know a stranger sure just very good kids really i mean i'm not going to say they gave me my moments trust me mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. overall very good kind caring kids and we, you know, we thought they had their whole future ahead of them. Right. Because they were doing well. They did not have health problems growing up that you knew. Well, yes, they did, actually. So this story is so bizarre. But our whole, most of our family had suffered from seizures at some okay. point. It started back with my grandfather in 1930, if you could believe this. But we didn't make that connection, to be quite honest, till later on in life. But my grandfather went to bed one night. He used to have something called, they called suffocating spells. Because back then, they didn't understand. Sure. And we barely understand now. But he would wake up suffocating, or he would say he had to run out to the porch and get air. And then one night, my mom and my grandma, which uh, I think it was several other family members, had went to a fish fry. And my mom was only two or three years old. It was probably 1930 mm-hmm. or 31, right around the Great Depression. And they went home that evening. And my grandma, the next morning, woke up and my grandfather had passed in a sleep. Wow. So, yeah, it is. But anyway, my mom, so she always remembered 
her grandmother, of course, would dote over her. She had lost yeah. a son and a daughter, a boy and a girl. Sound familiar? And so she raised my mom. Okay. And she was always worried. But mom started having seizures. And it usually starts around your okay. menstrual cycle. Something happens with us females with hormones. It's very scary. So she started having fainting spells. And so she did pretty well until... Her and my dad were married, and she gave birth to my brother. I think that was in 1950. And she started having these horrible seizures, just one right after another. You got to think back then, they had no clue. They took her in. They did a blood transfusion. And finally, a doctor gave her an injection of vitamin B12, mm -hmm. I believe. Okay. Is that the one that calms the nerves? And that did help her, but still she still continued to have these horrible seizures. And if anybody's had grandmal seizures, they know that it's, it's horrible. It's, it's not, especially if you're having one on top of another. Yeah, sure. But anyway, she made it through that by the grace of God. And then when she had my sister, Debbie, I believe then she's, you know, she always experienced these horrible seizures again. Okay. So finally, I believe she was put on medication and treated for epilepsy. Sure. So at that point, we were kind of labeled, which I never understood this because I would say, well, they say it's not hereditary. So why do we all have it? Right. But we had no other. We just didn't know. So anyway, my sister experienced seizures, and then I had seizures. Yeah. And then, of course, this is just something yeah. you grow up with. So in my life, it was normal. These seizures somehow, it yeah. was crazy, but normal. But we were always okay. Then my son began having seizures about the age of 11. I remember him bringing in the mail. Okay. And I turn around, and he just falls over on the couch. So I'm like, oh boy, okay. So I take him to the doctor. Uh -huh. They want to put him on a medication called Tegretol because I was on Dilantin and they said it affects your gums. And I thought, well, okay. So they put him on that. And then a couple years later, oh, no. here we go. My daughter started experiencing seizures. Well, she was only six or seven. She was, that's about my age. I started with six or seven. So she started experiencing seizures and they always did an EEG. Mm -hmm. Yep. Is that what? Yep. There are brain waves and our, I, I would say, okay, do it. But they always come back. Okay. It comes back normal. I don't know why. Really? Okay. Well, I mean, now you kind of know why, but yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they, but then they would still continue. They put us on the seizure medication because. And the seizure medication would help you all? Still no clue at this point. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it seemed to. Sure. Some, but we were treated with different medications. So my mom, myself, and my sister were opposed to my children. And that's the only thing I can think that probably ours kind okay. of, the medications we were on kind of calmed our nerves. So I feel like maybe that is why we didn't pass. I know I've had a seizure before and I know I was close to dying. I had just given birth to my daughter and she was only like two months old. 
And I just remember waking up and my son was screaming my name. And I really think hmm. my son screaming for me is what saved me. I was, I think I was going to pass. And that's about the age, yeah. yeah, typically in our family, in your 20s. Right, right. So very scary stuff. But, but it's something to do with the hormones after giving birth. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Menstrual cycles, all that ha plays a big role. So I believe that it was Jimmy that died before Chrissy. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Jimmy passed in 2000. Well, we got a phone call um, August or April the 15th, about 4.30 in the morning, and that he was having a seizure, and I was jumping up out of bed to get over there. And Because he was out of the house on his own, right? How old was he at this time? Yeah, he was married and had Alexis, my firstborn granddaughter. And yeah, so when I got over there, the house was surrounded by police, oh. and he had passed having this seizure. So... You know, as a mother, I remember I would go to the fire stations. Uh, everybody would always tell me I wasn't his next of kin because he was married. Right, right. Oh, well, that nothing hits a nerve um, for a mom like that. What do you mean I'm not his next of kin? Yeah. I didn't, I, I, could, I was trying to make sense of why he passed and I was still alive. I couldn't understand why our whole family had been surviving this. And my niece also it had horrible seizures. So yeah, we really have a strong history in our, in our family and we just couldn't make sense of it. Right. Why this, why somebody would die from the seizure and other people wouldn't. Yes. So in the meantime, I'm scared to death. I'm in, as you probably understand all too well, mm -hmm. you protect your children. Then once you've lost a child, you just can't even fathom if it happens again. Right. And, and, you know, I've had several people on the podcast actually, whose children have died from um, what's called sudden unexplained death and epilepsy, SUDEP. So I'm sure that's what they probably thought Jimmy had right at that time. Probably. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I'm sure that's what his, his diagnosis would have been. And, and it's just that, mm -hmm. Sometimes yeah. some people with seizures will just die. And sometimes they are having a seizure and sometimes not even. It's just very strange and unexpected and really, really scary to know that that can happen, that people with seizures can just die unexpectedly, even when you feel like their seizures are under good control. So I'm sure that's what they thought with him. And there is no rhyme or reason, even when there's family history. It... No, there's, so I, I just, at that point, I couldn't understand. I was just trying to make sense. I would call and try to get a copy of the autopsy. They would tell me I couldn't get that. I wasn't his next to kin. And some battles you just don't want to take on in sure. life, but it was rough. But then I was focusing on my daughter. Even though I was a hot, I was a horrible, horrible mess. I, I'm not going to lie, but I was very worried at my daughter at this point. I'm mm -hmm. thinking we've got to do some tests on her. Something else is wrong. I don't know. I never connected seizures, fainting spells. Yeah. You know, we'd always had the rapid heartbeat mm -hmm. always, but we would say, oh, my nerves are shot, you know, because mom always said that. So, right. And I remember after I lost Jimmy, I would, my heart would beat so fast. I couldn't hardly even breathe. Yeah. But you know, you would cry so hard. You're about hyperventilating. I know you understand that all too well. Cause it's every day's like you're being stabbed with a knife. 
So I was trying to focus on my daughter at that point and figuring out what kind of tests we could have done because I was just scared to death. This was, she was going to pass. So then she has, gets pregnant with her daughter, which scared me even more because I know as a female, whatever we have, it's, it's not good with pregnancy. You're fine during the pregnancy. It's right after the pregnancy. It, it's rough. I just didn't know. So I sobbed and sobbed. Not that I didn't want another grandchild. It was just right. Right. Mm-hmm. I was in fear of her life. I knew we probably, I didn't know what we had actually at that point. And there was nobody giving me any answers. The internet wasn't, there wasn't, Google wasn't like it is today. Yeah. Cause when was this now? This was Jimmy passed in 2000. Okay. We lost Chrissy in 2003. Okay. Her daughter was eight months old. Oh, wow. She told me she had was going to have a baby. And you can even see it in my face at the pictures when she gave birth to Jessica because I just look like, oh, my gosh, something's wrong. She's not going to. And sure enough, just like I suspected, three, four months into postpartum, it starts. She's Chrissy's having a seizure. Oh, my gosh, what's going on? You know, and. But once again, we did the MRI. We, you know, check her heart rate. They ch- did blood work. I couldn't even, I'm, I just, I couldn't figure out what the heck would be, right. is going on. Increase the medication, adjust the medication. And then on July the 25th, of well, Jessica was born mm-hmm. November 23rd, 2002. And then July, July 25th, 2003, Jessica Eight months old, saddest thing, a baby losing her mama. I got another phone call that Chrissy had been rushed to the hospital. And honestly, all I remember is crawling down the hall, screaming, this can't happen again. And they wrapped me in a blanket and had to take me out because we had lost her. I remember going back to see her, but I mentally don't remember because it's such a, hey, just such it was like a fog I was just living a mother's worst nightmare yeah so we lost her and then so so it wasn't until Chrissy was gone only 10 months my mom I got a phone call mom had to be rushed to the hospital that she was in intensive care with her heart and she's 75 so I'm thinking okay well that's that's normal. I mean, you think that sort of makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So I get up there to the hospital and I'm looking at her heart mm-hmm. monitor and it's crazy looking. I had never seen a heart rhythm this out of control. And this doctor comes in and he goes, I need to gather the family and we need to talk to you about what's going on with your mom's heart. Okay. So he takes us in this little room. And Mm -hmm. he says, your mom has something called long QT syndrome. And I'm, I remember writing it down saying, what is this? What are you talking? And he says, well, it can commonly kill young people. Yeah. And I remember just looking up at him and crying, going revelation. I just lost my children. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was like this huge, you're putting together a puzzle and there's this missing piece. And you think you've covered all the bases, but I didn't cover the heart. 
which I can't beat myself up over, but I have for sure. And that missing piece just all of a sudden bit right in the puzzle. And you're sitting there thinking all these years, it's been our heart. And so I just, he's like, I, I explained to him what had happened with my children. And then my sister was in there and she had, my sister had had really bad episodes as well as my niece. And we explained all that. And he's like, I'm sure you guys all have long QT, which obviously we do. We all now have defibrillators and we're treated with medication. But so that's what all those spells really were. Were you having that is actually how the whole story come together the whole time Mm -hmm. the whole time yeah the whole time whether it be my sister had episodes where she would just pass out it wouldn't always be a grand mal seizure so if somebody is knows someone or their children are experiencing these please get their heart checked right because i think especially what was really telling was when you talked about how your children all everyone were getting diagnosed with a seizure disorder and no one had an abnormal eeg you know that that was all normal but it's going to be normal Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. you can do an eeg yeah and i would tell them before they even did it and well, okay, but we're still going to do one and they would do it. Right. Because, of course, it would be normal. Yeah. That that was the key piece when you said that to me. I thought, oh, and that makes sense then. Because I've got family that I've had taken care of for years that ended up, they all, they had abnormal EEGs, a couple of the girls, and ended up now they can do genetics and now they've decided that they have a genetic condition that makes them higher to have sudden unexplained death and epilepsy and so because of that now they have gone and gotten surgery on their brains to take out the surgery focus but you know at the time when Jimmy died even though they thought he probably had that there was no seizure focus that they would have known in the brain to, you know what I mean? So nothing, nothing followed right. no. how that would normally be for SUDEP, right? But you didn't know that at the time. No, and this is my question, and I never addressed it, but I'm thinking the coroner in Indianapolis, I believe it was at IU, I've always kind of wanted to call and go, hey, did you not think it was a little strange that a brother passed and a sister passed? There's no drugs found. Did you not think there could be a genetic heart trouble that maybe when the heart rhythm, the heart stops, it's not detected? Yeah, I mean, I, they probably thought there was a genetic genetic syndrome because you can have genetic brain abnormalities that can cause that. So maybe that's what was thought, especially at that time, because there wouldn't have been genetic testing to be even done for that. And probably the coroner would have had no idea that they had had normal EEGs. They would just know that there's a seizure history. So I would think that's what the coroner would have thought. But, you know, just because that can happen. I would think as a coroner, though, I would want to talk to the mom and say, hey, ask a few questions. Do you have a, yeah. a family history? Because a lot of times somebody will say, I can't tell you how many times, yeah, so-and-so's passed out this. And I'm like, you better take that serious. If you have that gene, you're related, and they pass out or they have seizure or they've died in their sleep or anywhere, you better take it serious. Don't think it can happen to you. Yeah. 
Well, and we always ask those things too whenever we do our sports physicals. Actually, now we do it in all of our physicals. If any, do you have anyone in your family who died unexpectedly before the age of 50? And we always talk about that and investigate that and try to figure that out because it often is an unexplained heart defect. That's why we do it before, especially before sports physicals, but now we do it before everybody because they could have a heart abnormality that nobody knew about. And like, yeah, my cousin was, you know, was a good swimmer and he was out swimming and suddenly he just, you know, died 20 some years old. That oftentimes is a heart condition. So. And don't you think that our society, we don't relate heart conditions with younger people? No, nope, we do not. And, and, but it don't mean it's heart disease. Everybody gets it confused that it's completely dirt. You have the plumbing, you have the electrical. That's why we always ask if there was an unexplained death prior to the age of 50, because it's oftentimes not. And people will say it's a heart attack and it's not, Mm -hmm. it's a cardiac arrest. But, but I've educated myself on a lot with the heart. Oh, Oh, I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have. So after your mom got this diagnosis, then you said, then other people then started getting testing and done at that point in time? Yes. Yeah. Me and uh, my sister, they took us in, they did an EKG. Well, they, I think they took all of our, my siblings in. My brother, it's my only brother, and my other sisters, mm-hmm. hers looked okay. The two youngest, me, uh, myself and my sisters, ours didn't look so good. So actually me and my sister actually got our first defibrillator at the same place, shared the same room overnight and uh i never will forget the nurse when we got ready to leave he says hey i'll see you guys on the discovery channel (laughs) which we haven't made it there yet but (laughs) and then did other people get tested as well because i think you said your niece had troubles yes my niece and my sister yes she's she battled my niece she had a rough way to go with it but she seems to be doing okay now. Thank goodness. It's all under control. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what about your grandchildren? Jessica's daughter, Armani, my the oldest great-granddaughter, she does not have it. The first one of my children that has not. However, my granddaughter, Alexis, my son's daughter, she ha- both of my grandchildren have it. But Alexis's son has it. And she's expecting another so he's the youngest diagnosed okay. in our family. He started beta blockers at two days old. So Dr. Keene, see, wow. uh, Riley Hospital, Wow. he sees him. And he, of course, as soon as they're born, he reads their EKGs and compares it to my grandchildren's when they were small or, you know, as they grew up and determines if he thinks they're at risk for long QT mm-hmm. until the genetic testing comes back, which takes, what, about two weeks now and we know we confirm it at that point wow wow so we have some some serious genes here with the long qt gary you do yes you do, we do. have some serious genes mm-hmm. those are scary so why don't you talk about what you've done too because i know you've been working doing work well obviously you do work with bereaved but still me but you do work in other areas too i think well yeah i uh had a chapter for the Sudden Cardiac Arrest Association for, I don't know, four or five years. And I was trying to work. And then my granddaughter came to live with me. And I just couldn't juggle a full-time job and a teenager 
there was no way. So I, mm-hmm. I, but I've raised so much awareness. I've done several podcasts. Usually it's been on heart to heart with Anna or Brie, but still me. So this is the first time out of my comfort zone. <laughs> so thank you so much. <laughs> I've done all kinds of newspaper articles locally here in Indiana. Okay. Uh, magazine articles to try to ra- raise awareness. I have been on a few radio sh- uh, talk shows. That was long. I can't even remember the year, to be honest. And I've done segments on local news shows. But I haven't done any of that in a long time. Yeah. So you just do segments on awareness then? Is that what you've been doing? On trying to teach people a little more? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. To educate them on that just because your child's having a seizure, make sure you have their hearts checked too, because it could definitely be a heart condition. Right. And you just don't know. You just don't know. No, you don't. No, you sure don't. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk a little bit more about your grief journey and what that's been like? My grief journey, it was brutal. I can tell you this. I yeah. worked at a large school district in Indianapolis for years. Can't say I liked my job. I threw myself into my job so I didn't have to think, if that makes sense. And I've worked very hard. And now my body's kind of physically, yeah. it's broke down from working so hard. I used to work and then just come home and cry or crawl into bed and sleep. I've been on antidepressants ever since I buried my son. And I I don't ever see going off of those. However, my first 15 years, I think, of losing my children were the most brutal. I just couldn't. I, I can't remember yeah. a lot. It's affected my memory really bad. I started drinking wine yeah. because it sedated me. If you've ever lost someone, yeah, you, you start to go to sleep and then you get that feeling like something bad's happened. And then if I drank a couple of glasses of wine... I didn't get that feeling. I just crashed. And then finally, one day, I'm just like, I'm done with this stuff. I don't, because I was never been a drinker. But I'm sure that's what I did. I sedated myself. The pain Mm -hmm. was too, it was just too horrible. And I felt lonely. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really self-medicating, right? That's what you were doing. Yeah, that's what I did. I didn't want medication. I didn't want nerve pills. I knew enough. I didn't want to mix that, but I just wanted to relax if that makes sense, because I felt like all the muscles in my neck and my shoulders were constantly like somebody had their hands back there just wringing them. And you always have this dark cloud over your head everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. And I always knew people would, oh, the holidays are coming, go home and enjoy your family. Then they would look at me and go, oh gosh, <laughs> I was very lonely for a long time, even though I did have my grandchildren. My youngest granddaughter was in Florida, which was a huge void in my life. And then I had my other granddaughter, but I just had a lot of loneliness. But my husband has been my number one fan. He's, Mm -hmm. he's been, they're his stepkids, but he, he's seen me go through a lot, a lot of suffering. Yeah. And you've been able to stay really close with your grandchildren. Oh, yes. Yes. Thank goodness. Yeah, I'm very close to them, very close to my great-grandchildren. That's good. Because sometimes I've talked to some moms and grandmas that 
that isn't as easy because sometimes the you know the spouse gets remarried and there are more kids and then those grandparents of the one who died take a little bit of a back seat so and that's got to be so hard i never would allow the back seat i wasn't going to do back seat that was all i had <laughs> and i demanded i get the front seats <laughs> yeah and when it comes well good when it comes to my children i just don't do it real well with no as an answer so <laughs> i did what i'll put it to you like this okay. i did what i had to do to make sure i had a good relationship with my grandchildren that i was involved as much as i humanly yeah. could be but there were a lot of other factors with yeah. this but that's a whole nother right. topic <laughs> but I just did, I kept my mouth shut on a lot of things mm -hmm. that I didn't agree with because I didn't want to close that door because if you close that door, you have no communication and I didn't know what was going on with them. Right. And you need to keep having a good relationship with, you know, your yes, yes. daughter-in-law and son-in-law, I assume, right? Still do that. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't always agree. Yeah. Right. But I still try to have a good relationship because no matter what, we are bonded because of the kids and those kids are my heart right yeah I bet they are I bet they are yeah I God had that all planned out I'm sure and he wants me to get back to raising awareness which I plan on doing that so help people yeah mm-hmm Right, right. Try to help people as best that you can. And it's an inspiration because I've made it through not one, but two. And even as I sit talking to you, I'm looking, I have all my articles up here. I have done so many articles and I had a friend that owns uh -huh. a framing business and she's got all these articles framed. So you walk in here and it's like, whoa, <laughs> but yeah, it's, 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 I guess it's my legacy. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and that's what you feel like you need a little bit, right? Because yes, you want your kids to live on in a way. Yes, you do. After you lose them. Even though I know when we make it to heaven, we're going to look up there and say, they didn't have to go through anything like what we've had to go through. And look how beautiful it is. So now being the first in line yeah. to ask God why, I think it's just going to be so beautiful that I'll probably say thank you, even though I know I've been through hell on earth, but they haven't, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny because I've talked to different parents and they have said, boy, I just want to be the first to ask why, why did this happen? When I get up there, there are going to be questions to answer. And then you go, yeah, but probably won't care. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you have so many different stages of your grief. Don't you think, Marcy? Mm -hmm. I mean, the, you've got anger and you've got yeah. the sadness. And, and then eventually you get to the point where it's not that it doesn't hurt. It's just some type of acceptance that there's nothing else you can do. It's not going to change. Yeah. Yeah. It's very funny that you say that because I just gave a talk this last week to some orthopedic surgeons and when we talked about the five stages of grief and I said you know who can name the five stages of grief and they kind of named the five stages of grief and you kind of named some of the five stages of grief but and then I actually said to them I want you to just forget all about them and don't don't worry about that because 
it's really all just a mishmash and everything is all mixed up because as you said those things, you know, you have anger and you have sadness and you have, so, and then, you know, other guilt, there are other things too. But I certainly have found, and it seems like the majority of people I talk to have found, that those do not go in this beautiful, wonderful order of acceptance. That you go denial, then anger, then guilt, the, and, you know, that in this beautiful order. It's that you jump all around and you think, okay, I was in denial, and then now I'm not in denial anymore. Well, it could very well be that you'll be in denial again. I mean, I think back, it was years after Andy died, I am up north at my my in-law's cottage and they're getting together for the 4th of July. And literally he's been gone three years or probably three, maybe even four. And I actually said to myself, I can't believe this is my Mm -hmm. life. I don't think this is my life. This can't even be real. Like I felt like it wasn't real. I went through a little bit minutes of just denying that this could possibly be my life. And I still, even as I sit and I tell you the whole story, I'm sitting there going, did this really happen to me 23 years later? Right. I am still. And I think some ways it's a coping right. skill that you have to develop to keep your sanity. Yeah. Yeah. Because your brain will only allow so much. Right. Right. Because your brain can only allow so much because it can only take so much in at a time. So I think a lot of it, it just lets you just like not believe it. Because if you did believe it all every second... I mean, like you talked about when you heard that news and you were crawling down the hallway. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, you would have spent weeks and months just crawling down the hallway if you felt it all every second. Yeah. At crying nonstop where I find now my crying is is not as frequent at all. But sometimes things just hit me. Right. It's not that I'm not thinking and it's not that... I don't miss them just as much. It's just how I cope now. And I will see people grieving for their kids and, and crying. And that is just part of the process. It's just part of it. Right. And it's and it's different for every person. Sometimes people cry a lot. Other people don't cry that much. And that's okay, too. It's it, We all grieve in our own way. It is all okay. Mm-hmm. Very, very uniquely. Well, people will ask me, how have you made, how do you survive? And I said, I wasn't given a choice. Yeah. There was no choice. Exactly. 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 He didn't say, hey, can you take me, take them both your kids? And just how it all happened, it's unbelievable that it could even happen. And then to turn around and find out your whole family history, it could have been treated this whole time. Right. Right. That's got to be hard. But there's, I still don't feel like, yeah, and I still don't feel like there's a lot of awareness on long QT or these other genetic heart conditions that are happening to athletes. And Right, right. I mean, that's got to be hard. And and we talked about that anger, too. That's got to come up at various times with you, come and go, too. I mean, I think with all of us, but yeah. Oh, I get really angry with people when, well, when they're whining about stupid things, like, oh, I, I wish I could afford to go buy this marriage. It's like, yeah, Siri, or, or this was my favorite. Not that this isn't bad, but, oh, I've just had the worst day. Oh, you know, and something, something that does mess, it does yeah. truly make your day start off 
bad. However, I always say, well, well, you, I constitute a bad day is when you get a phone call and your child's dead. So that's part of the, that's a bad day. That's a day you're not going to recoup from. Yeah, that's a bad day. The tire you can get fixed, the car you can replace. So yeah. I guess material things are material, but you can't replace human life. Well, you're right. And that's what's hard. It is hard when people complain about what, what I think of as stupid stuff. No. But we see things different than other people. Yeah, I know. You're going, I have to live without my child. And you do, I have to say, you're pretty awesome. Three years, that's that's not very long. Well, I'm now five. I'm now five years. Oh, you're five? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I was just talking about about three years later in that kitchen when I was thinking, yeah. I can't believe this is my life. Yeah, now I'm five years out. Just past it, actually. Just this past August. And I see you're in his room. I see you're having, you have a podcast for Mandy's room, I, which I was just I thinking, am. this is really awesome. I am. Maybe I need to put some of Jimmy and Christy. So I'm in the trans, taking over my mom's room. She just passed him in um, May, which she was 94 years old, you guys. We have tributes coming out on Bereave, but still me and we're going to do a tribute on my mom, uh, heart to heart with Anna as well. Because my mom lived 94 years with this genetic heart condition. And you got to think it was untreated for 75 years. Yeah. So pretty amazing. Right. right. Very amazing stuff. Well, and it's amazing that, you know, unfortunately, it wasn't diagnosed early enough to save Jimmy or Chrissy. But it was diagnosed early enough to save many other people in your family. Yeah. It's and my grandchildren and my niece that saved Many. her life. Thank heavens. Yeah. So I, I remember the day they put my defibrillator in and yeah. I had just lost my child. I mean, my second child. Right. And I just, they had to put me out because I could quit crying. I'm like, I don't know why you're saving me. I don't know why I'm here. I didn't feel like I deserved to live. But everybody out there that listens to this, you do deserve to mm -hmm. live. And you are your child's voice when they're gone. You will carry their memory. You will pass on yeah. their legacy. So it's very important that you carry that on. You realize there is a purpose. That's very well said. Because it is hard when you're in that acute grief to think that way sometimes. Yeah, but And you do feel like, why wasn't it me? And this isn't the normal cycle. But, you know, you are your child's voice at that point. Your child can no longer speak. You have to speak for that child. And who loves a child any more than their mama? Mm -hmm. Nobody. Or their dad. Their dad, of course. But, no. you know, we are our children. And we want to make sure that our children have not died in vain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the, and you staying alive is how you can do that. You got My grandchildren would know nothing about their parents other than what I tell them. Yeah. And I don't know if their moms and dads do tell them stories, yeah. but I'm the one that knows the stories about when they were little and when Jimmy puts her into a clothes hamper and puts shaving cream on her. And Chrissy was going around pounding on the windows when Forrest Gump was out <laughs> saying life's like a box of chocolates. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'd never know those stories without you. No, no. No, but that's the only way their memory will be carried on is through me. So I feel like in so many ways, I am their voice. Right, because their mom and dad don't. They don't. I'm their eyes and their ears. And when the sun's setting, I have to look three times, once for me and twice for them. 
but maybe they're making the sunset. Maybe they are. Maybe they are. We don't really know, do we? No, but maybe Jimmy and Andy are up there playing basketball or baseball. Who knows? I see he likes baseball. You just never know. He did like baseball. He like he just loved being on a team, to be honest. So if you look around, there's a basketball back behind there. There are soccer balls. There's one signed by his high school soccer team. Yeah. Yeah, he just loved being a member of a team. He was never really that good at anything, except somehow, like, the two weeks before he died, he became really good at soccer, amazingly. <laughs> I think just God blessed him because he knew um, – he wasn't going to be able to be around long. How old was Andy? Andy was 14. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. So he was just on that soccer team. He had just been named, named starter uh, the day before he died. Was named a starting left striker on that team. I can't even. Yeah. I've told this story before because I remember thinking to myself, Oh, honey, sometime your coach is going to realize <laughs> that you are just not that good. <laughs> He's going to know. He's going to end up having to put you on the bench and coming off and, oh, that's going to crush you. But it turns out that never happened because he never even played a game. So, because, yeah. You just don't understand. For reason, he was like, he had the best, he had the best two weeks of soccer practices in his entire life. Just crazy good, it sounds like. Uh, anyway. Yeah, it's just not normal. And I'm sorry you lost your son. That's tragic. No mother should go through that. Yeah. No mother should. No mother should. But look at what you're doing. You're carrying on for Andy. Once again, There, you are his voice and you are his memory and you're creating his legacy. Well, and, and you know, I'm telling you this now because now I think we're going to be releasing this, I think, after the Andy Larson Memorial Concert because we're having our first Andy Larson Memorial Concert now several years after it was supposed to be because it was prolonged because of COVID a couple of times. Um but, you know, my, Andy's favorite cake was lemon bunt cake. He loved lemon cake. He loved the Nothing Bunt Cake store. And so we're going to have tiny little Buntini um, cakes for the reception. And I was actually going to, in general, they're, they're not super cheap to get all these cupcakes. And I didn't really know if it was in the budget to, to do this. But I was kind of going to do it anyway. And I thought, you know, that's maybe a way I can ask listeners if they want to donate for um, the little butt cakes. And just like half an hour before I started recording with you, I got a call from the bunt cake store that they're going to donate all of them. How amazing. All of them. That is absolutely. I know. Isn't that beautiful? So they wanted to do that for Andy and for us. And that's right. That's how we keep them remembered and keep their memories alive. And I mean, so I'm extra like teary right now because, whoa, that was really emotional to me. When she told me that, I just immediately started sobbing. So I had uh, we had some big events where we give out defibrillators and we had a city barbecue up here in Indianapolis had given us the whole meal. So people we come had the venue, they donated the venue. We gave them a defibrillator and it was just one of those magical just like basically what you're going through. All these wonderful people come together and give you a venue. They give you a meal. And for your child's memory, how wonderful is that? Yeah. Yeah. Give me a few hundred cupcakes, you know? Yeah, but what it's what Andy loved, too. It's pretty amazing. So that's what makes it so special. I know. I know. Oh, right. And that's why I 
that's why we had decided we were going to do it, even though obviously it would have been cheaper to have like some of the moms of the choir members or something just bake some cookies or, you know, we, we could have done it on much less expensively, but it just seemed like that was the right thing to do because he just loved those bunt cakes and it just seemed perfect. But I just can't even tell you how much it means to me to now have those done for free too. So, And I'm looking forward to seeing the photos of your event. Yeah, there'll be plenty of photos. There'll be plenty of photos. When will that, when is that going to happen? Yeah, that concert is um, Tuesday, December 5th. Oh, December 5th. Nice. I say that my mom's birthday was on the 8th, December 8th. So, yeah. Oh, really? It would have been her 95th. Can you believe that? Oh, really? Yeah. So you're going to be released a couple weeks after that concert or just a week and a couple of days, actually, after the concert. So all of you people listening to this, this concert will have been in the past and probably you will be seeing pictures. You can go on my Instagram page or Facebook page and There'll be plenty of pictures, and I'm sure I will be having pictures of those bunt cakes as well. So I can't wait to see them. I was just going to share with everyone that they could email me at JackieLongQTGmail.com just if they had any questions. Okay. And that's all together? Jackie Long QT all together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jackie, J-A-C-K-I-E, Long, L-O-N-G-Q-T at gmail.com. Okay, so you can find out more information from Jackie and get in touch with Jackie. Yes. And still one more plug for Anna and Michael at the Bereaved But Still Me for Michael. And and then Anna has her podcast called Heart to Heart with Anna, more just on congenital heart disease in general, not necessarily on on people who have died, but on people who have congenital heart disease. So again, thank you so much, Jackie, for sharing your kids with us today. I really enjoyed talking to you and learned something new about prolonged QT myself. So thank you for that. See, and I feel pretty good at that with the doctor. You know that one in 2,000 people have long QT. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that startling? It is surprising. It is surprising to me. And I looked that up for me the other day because when I was diagnosed with it, it was one in seven. But now it's one in 2000. And you think about that when you're at a concert or something and you have all these people. It was one in 7,000, what you thought? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Years ago, it was one in seven. Now it's one in 2000. And also, there's so much more to be shared about this. I need to create Mm -hmm. a website. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. Well, and it sounds like maybe they're going to, you're going to do your own podcast. So if you do that, you let us know and we'll let people know that as well. All right. Thank you for having me today. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful and would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can type Andy's mom, one word, to the number 53555. This provides a link to GiveButter, which allows donations through PayPal, Venmo, Apple Pay, or credit cards. GiveButter will provide a receipt of your tax-deductible donation. Or you can visit the donation page at andysmom.com donate. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 and can receive donations through Thrivent Financial and Benevity. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at andysmom.com 
or on the Instagram or Facebook, Always Andy's Mom Accounts. Sign up for the email list to get weekly episode links as well as pictures of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.